for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. We are live and amplified. So let's get ready to podcast. Fire it up. Welcome, everybody, to another live and amplified podcast. I'm your host, Tom Quart, and we are back at it again with another amazing podcast. Hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. We took a nice little break off for you all and hope you guys enjoyed the few days break. But we have a very special guest with us. We have Connor from The Southern Gothic. How's it going today, Connor? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. I didn't realize I was catching you in the middle of a 10-hour drive trip back from uh, Florida all the way to Nashville. I'm very familiar with that trip. That trip is, that is a trip. I will say that much. Yeah, yeah. You know, usually it's it's not too bad. It's about 10 hours. Today it was a combo of everybody coming home from Thanksgiving and just the pouring rain the whole way. So it's uh, it's, been a, it's been a little trying, but what can you do, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So, but first I want to thank you so much for jumping on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And I'm really excited to sit down and get to talk to you about your new EP that's dropping here next Friday, right? Yeah, next Friday. Yeah, yeah, Friday, Friday coming I've up. lost all track of time. It's like, <laughs> I can't believe it's December, almost December already. You know? I know it. It's absolutely insane. But um, for the people that don't or aren't really familiar with the Southern Gothic and mm-hmm. um, yourself, uh, can you kind of give us a brief overview, like an origin story of who you are? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, my buddy Sean Thacker, who plays drums in the band, and myself uh, started this band back in, uh, well, I, I said we started this band. He joined a cover band that I was playing in back then. And, and uh, you know, we slowly took that from, from doing 100% covers a little, you know, a little more at a time, or, you know, doing originals. First it was 20%, then 50%. And then all of a sudden, the people that were used to coming to see us every, every Saturday night, uh, realized that we'd only played two or three covers and you know the whole night so uh you know it was a slow it was a slow build for us and uh um you know we'd been incorporating these original songs finally in 2009 we put out our first uh real record uh on vintage earth records uh, that was called 90 proof lullabies and uh you know we had a little uh, little success at country radio and and uh especially red dirt radio with a song called sunday suit um and then uh, in 2013, we put our, our big like national debut that was uh, called New Hometown and uh, just surprised everyone, including us, when it debuted up real high on, on the Billboard charts and uh, the uh, video rocketed up the CMT charts to number one. And, um, you know, nobody was expecting that. Uh, we were all, it was all, you know, very welcome. But uh, we did that. We toured with everybody under the sun. Um, you know, we're, we're sort of in that middle rock and roll you know americana place so they put us out with everybody from uh you know heart and zz top to uh big and rich and willie nelson and joe nichols and you know your your standard country acts we did you know lucky enough to do a bunch of shows with uh chris stapleton and you know just just really uh, across the board um we've been lucky enough to play with just about everybody under the sun at some point so did that, um, you know, kind of hit a moment where it, after 2015, where we'd done, 
we'd aver- averaged over 200 shows a year for 10 years. And, and, uh, I was a little burnout, uh, had a couple offers to move to Nashville, um, write songs for other people. So that's what I did. I moved to Nashville in 2015 and I've been up there writing songs for other people. And there were a few, uh, you know, a few that I felt like uh, were really, even though they were written for other people, they were in my voice. And so, mm-hmm. uh, so we made an EP uh, last year. It was going to come out in May. Uh, you know, we, we had to cancel that tour. We pushed the album back to December. So I've been uh, kind of champing at the bit to get this thing out for, for a good year now. Nice. Yeah, you know, it's always a killer when you have an album that you're ready to release and then for whatever reason you can't release it and like this year it was even worse because it was like a whole global pandemic thing and then it like not even knowing when you're going to be able to get out to support the album or get out to even like releasing it is a strategy in and of itself right now because it's like yeah we just piece it all out or do we release it as a whole thing and just hope that we can get out and play shows you know like whatever it is luckily right now it seems like things are loosening up a little bit but not really you know it, it just kind of depends on where you're at in the country um but yeah uh, yeah it's 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 still weird out there though right <laughs> yeah it really is it really is so i take it did have you done a lot of shows in texas then since you had a lot of success in the uh, red dirt country um you know we did some we came and did the houston rodeo a couple of times and uh you know, we were we were kind of perennially at South by Southwest for a few years there, and and uh, you know we did the we did the circuit a bit, um, but just like everything else, we didn't quite fit real neatly into that zone. And um, you know, Red Dirt fans are Red Dirt fans, and only Red Dirt fans. Yeah. So if you uh, if you dare to show a different side, then uh, you know you're not gonna you're not gonna be. Uh, you know, welcomed quite like, like uh, you might be in, in other circles, but that's, that sounds like, you know, that sounds like the bluegrass scene or any other like traditional scene, you know, you know, man, we, uh, it's been our strength and our, and our greatest weakness as well is that, is that we don't fit into a, you know, specific category. So we're able to pull fans from all sorts of places, but we can't pull all the fans from any, from, pl- any right. one place, you know, you know, like, I mean, Carving your own lane. Keep doing it. You know, it's obviously yeah. working for you all. So, uh, and actually it, it wasn't until I moved to central Texas about a year ago that I realized how big of a deal the Houston rodeo was. Like I've, oh been, talking to a, yeah. I've been talking to a few people that it would just come up in like conversation that they just played it or whatever. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool. And then I moved here about a year ago or a little over a year ago. And somebody was telling me no like the houston rodeo is like the biggest thing it's the biggest thing it it really is man we you know we did it um and we got put on with maroon five which was you know it was a little little outside of our our uh you know regular thing but uh lucky enough uh it hit home for the for those fans and and uh, we had a great you know first night at the rodeo you know we went out there and uh, I made the set list and uh, the guys, one of the guys comes running up to me before the show. He's like, we can't do this song. This is not going to go over. This is, this is a rodeo, man. They are not going to get this. They're not going to do it. And I was like, no, 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 let's do it. Let's do it. It's going to be, it's going to be great. They're, they're going to get it. Uh, everybody gets it. It's fine. Yeah. And so we did, uh, we did a few songs and um, in typical, you know, kind of uh, Texas dance hall fashion, 
there's 3000 people around the, you know, perimeter of this gigantic dance floor and like six couples two-stepping, um, you know, so we got like 12 people in front of the stage and 3000 people standing back from the stage. So sure enough, we get to song number six, seven on the set list. Um, and it's the first cover that we do, but we did, uh, we, we had a unique instrumentation at the time we had, um, a guy that could play the banjo. I was playing piano. We had uh, a fiddle player and then bass and drums. So uh, we were kind of uniquely suited to do Come On Eileen. Mm -hmm. And we did it and everybody was looking at me like, this is, this is, this is a bad move. And I don't know, you know, we did that opening and people are looking at us. And as soon as it all kicked in and people realized what it was, 3000 people just pressed up against the stage. And, uh, you know, I just got to, you know, give my boys a little wink and I was like, told you, you know, so, you know, uh, so we've had a great time. At, Come On uh, Eileen at, is one of them songs that, nobody wants to admit they like but everybody likes it's filthy why would not why would anyone not like that song it's great you know it's it's just one of those things it's a great song and everybody knows it but nobody wants to admit that they actually like it so, yeah um no that's really cool and then uh i'm assuming when you say you were a part of south by southwest but not really you're doing like one of the unofficial showcases is that oh no we yeah no we did it several years in a row you know there was there was that year kind of uh leading up to the release and then the year after the release which would have been 12 and 13 where you know we came down and did a ton of shows everything from from uh you know couch by shows to uh, you know, playing the courtyard at Stubbs to doing music fog to like all the big stuff. And, uh, you know, we had a couple of years there where we had the, you know, the major management, the major booking and, and, you know, finally a record label and somebody to get out there and, and kind of hunt those, uh, you know, those big shows up for us. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you, so the, the starting point for you or for this band was it started off as a hundred percent cover band. And then yeah. you kind of slowly moved it into a 100% originals, and but you still pay homage to what you start or what you started as, which is a cover band, by still doing a couple of covers every once in a while. Sure, yeah, I don't really know any bands that don't do any covers. You know, you gotta you gotta throw it back to where you came from, and and we try to keep the covers fresh and different. You know, um, we don't you know we don't want to. You know, we don't want to be that band that shows up and, you know, oh, well, they always do Devil Went Down to Georgia or whatever. You know, that, that band's like one quite, cover they always do. You don't want to be quite obvious with it. Like, there are certain songs yeah. that you'd expect an Americana slash country slash, like, somewhere in that pocket range. When you throw out something random, like, and, like, not even that Come On Eileen is that random because it still has its, it feels like it has Americana roots in the instrumentation yep you know but still you, you gotta oh it gets it gets way weirder bro i mean I, I got you know on the new hometown record we did you know we did a nine minute version of november rain uh with no guitars uh so you know uh we we uh, we like to get weird uh this this last tour um one of the one of the songs we did almost every night uh was straight up by paula abdul Oh, wow. um, nice. Yeah, man, I like to, you know, I like to throw some stuff out there that, uh, you know, maybe it means something to me, like that song or that that record was like a big record for me in the fifth grade. But, yeah. uh, you know, it doesn't always, uh, you know, it's not something you'd expect to, to hear an Americana yeah. band do it. Yeah. There, you know, there, I heard a couple of, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I had a band here uh, that came in and did a, a acoustic set 
back when the pandemic first started, they came in and they did a Benny and the Jets cover. Without we do that one piano. sometimes, yeah. Without yeah. any piano, I'm like, oh, no piano. Yeah, there you go. No piano, and I'm like, yeah, eh, okay, like whatever you guys want to do, but yeah, yeah. Um, a good buddy of mine. Uh, we actually share a guitar player. Our guitar player, uh, Yanni, um, plays with a, a guy from you know down south uh, this way uh, named Angie Aparo. And Angie's big claim to fame is that he did, uh, he wrote Cry that Faith Hill had a big hit with. Um, and it was actually kind of a small hit for him before that. Like it was on all the, you know, on all the Southeastern radio stations, kind of like when Edwin McCain was getting a start and all those, those bands and late nineties. Um, but, uh, but he and I did a tour together and he would do uh, just him, him and a guitar did uh, Rocket Man. And uh, you'd think it wouldn't work, but man, it sounded real cool. Yeah. You know, it was cool. Um, but, you know, yeah, we, uh, we definitely try to, you know, as far as covers, we, we mix it up all the time. We keep it weird. Um, you know, we do, you know, every time people think they know what we're going to do, we try to, we try to take a left turn. And, uh, you know, as far as the Paula Abdul thing, like I said, that was, a, that was a big record for me. But, but I remember we did some shows with a band called Humming House. It's kind of a big Americana act. They're also from Nashville. And um, they did like a killer version of I Want to Dance with Somebody by Whitney Houston. And I was like watching these dudes and, and these girls do it. And I was like, man, you know what? Like we can do anything. We can, we can literally pick any song that, you know, that we're hyped about and do it. So, um, you know, when, uh, when this next tour starts in 2021, uh, we got some ideas uh, of how we can get even weirder. I've always been interested. Like I would love to see a band just go through the process of picking their um, cover songs, like which cover songs they want to do. And for whatever reason, I've always had this envision of just that one random band throwing a dart at a dartboard. Yeah, and just right. Like, okay, yeah. we'll do that one. That works, you know. That might be like a fun on like a night-by-night -night basis. It's like to take on tour, take a dartboard with you and invite somebody up from the crowd to like chuck a dart. And, and uh, like, you know, which, which, whichever number they hit, then that's the, you know, that's the song we do. That that would be interesting. Be nice. Crowd. I think it'd be fun. That'd be nice uh, crowd uh, um, involvement. Participation. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got you to gotta make sure somebody that can actually throw a dart and it's not going to injure anyone with it. So, yeah. so you do have that that thing to worry about. Maybe we get those, uh, uh, you know, the, the dart boards that have like right. the Velcro on it, with like the Velcro balls. The, it will uh, mitigate any insurance disasters. Yeah. Because the last thing you need is somebody with no hand-eye coordination and just completely miss the dartboard and take out your sound engineer. Or something. Yeah, it's like right in the monitor guy's eye or something. Yeah, yeah that's exactly what we need. That would be terrible. But <laughs> oh, so you're originally from Atlanta, correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, I uh, I moved to Atlanta when I was 17, and then I was there for till I was 35. Okay, and then you moved up to Nashville and. Yep. Cool. cool. Yeah. Um. Mm -hmm. So let's just jump into it with the uh, with the new EP that is dropping on Friday. Yeah. Um, what's kind of the story behind this EP and how long have you been working on it? Um, well, you know, kind of like I said, this was this was a lot of songs that, uh, you know, I had written over the course of a couple of years. Um, some of them had been cut by other artists um, and uh, some of them we thought we're going to get cut and didn't. Uh, one of them actually got cut by two different artists. 
um, and neither one was the one that we wrote it for. So, yeah. you know, it was just, you know, weird uh, stuff like that. And uh, when I started kind of collecting what songs I wanted to put on my EP, um, the only song that we had specifically written or I had specifically written for me was uh, Past Midnight was the first single. And that was really just an experiment because I was working with a, with a new buddy who was kind of a big deal in the K-pop and R&B world. And he was a really great producer. And he's like, you know, I really would love to do some country, you know, something's close to my heart, but I haven't really ha had a lot of experience. And so uh, we got together and wrote a few songs and Past Midnight was one of them. And that was really the only one of these songs that hadn't been pitched to, to other artists. So. Um, but when I started kind of collecting them and figuring out what was going to go on the record, I started realizing that, you know, if you put this in the right order, this is a story, you know, mm -hmm. it starts with, you know, starts with past midnight. And it's like, you know, that first, you know, first hour or whatever, when you meet that some, somebody new and there's that spark of possibility and, you know, you move on to the next track, which is ain't gonna lie, which is, you know, guy telling a girl, you know, try, he's trying to play it cool and keep his mouth shut. And, uh, but, but, uh, letting her know, like, don't ask me, you know, like how I feel about you. Cause I will tell you, um, which is, you know, a scary thing. And then you kind of move through the other phases of the relationship where, you know, you get the honeymoon phase and the next song and then the next song is where, you know, it's called classic. It's just about how you're in this invincible place in your relationship. And, and, uh, you know, you're like the, the classic power couple. And then, we move on to gravity where things start going badly. And um, if you take the, the very first song on the record villain and move it to the end, you kind of get the end of the story. And, um, you know, okay, it's, so uh, you're telling it a little bit out of, out of order. Well, yeah. So yeah, it's just really the first song is really the last song. Everything else is in order. So you just got to okay. take number one and, and put it, put it at the end. But I, yeah. when I was listening to the uh, preview uh, link that Rachel sent me, I was like, I was listening to it and I was like, I, I was a little confused as to why it felt like we were starting with the last song, but yeah. You know, I, I had that, I had that minute where I was putting together the record and I had to decide, is it, do I go with, you know, putting the story in order or do I go with the vibe? And, you know, for me, it felt more important that, cause you know, so many people don't listen to the lyrics. So, you know, it's like, I, I want this to, this record to vibe and you know people are listening to it on a loop which i hope they will at some point you know the sooner or later they'll start with number two and you know make their way back around to number one and uh you know they'll get the whole story with if it takes a few listens yeah uh so so I, just want to make sure that that vibe the, was right when i was listening to the preview like this morning i was kind of in the process of doing dishes and whatnot i was like you know what i need some music to do some dishes too so i threw the threw the link on and just let it play through and you know cranked it up and as i'm sitting there listening i kind of lose track as to what song we're on just because i'm kind of in the moment yeah. listening to the entire thing and then i must have jumped through the entire track listing and it just jumped onto something that i had saved in my uh preview list and it was like a hardcore gangster rap and i'm right. like that that's good and so so i'm sitting there like listening to your music and i'm like okay this is really cool i'm enjoying this doing my dishes and whatnot and then all of a sudden it was like a complete 180 and i'm like oh boy i hope that's not them straight out I, of compton <laughs> i hope my spotify playlist didn't just pull a complete 180 on me or something and yeah. yeah that was that was kind of the funny thing i'm like yeah 
tried a new sound with this last one or what's going on you know yeah right well you know i've uh, i've got uh um a couple of younger kids that uh that you know they've just the, the nine-year-old has really started to like figure out spotify mm -hmm. so my 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 daily mix is all messed up yeah you know, <laughs> you know, Stapleton, it'll be Eli Young Band, it'll be Taylor Swift, okay, it'll be Kids Bop, what the, fuck? What the hell is going on here, you know, like, uh, oh, right, right, Rowan's been, been doing Spotify, got it, yep. It's, it kind of sounds like just my naturally selected playlist on Spotify, it'll go yeah. from um, the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band to, I don't know, Metallica to... Eminem, you know, just kind of really random. Yeah, because yeah, good music is good music. You know, I, I love, um, it, like, Rustin Kelly's record last year was one of my favorite Americana records. But uh, but the new Young the Giant record blew my mind, man. I love I love good music. I don't care if it's got a fiddle in it or not. You know, it's, uh, it's whatever, uh, you know, whatever strikes a chord with me, lyrically, musically, uh, energy-wise. There's a, there's a million ways that a song or an album or an artist can be great. And it, you know, it can be different from, from one to the next. Yeah. Um, talked about Eminem. I got, uh, I got lucky. A friend of mine was... Uh, working. So I'm guessing, I want to say this is probably 1997. Mm -hmm. uh, my friend of mine was working as a, as a stage manager at the Warp Tour. And at the last minute, uh, I don't even remember who the band was supposed to be, but they were one of the reasons we bought tickets to the Warp Tour. Uh, but they canceled, but they, they uh, replaced them with Eminem. And uh, my buddy, um, right before Eminem went on and said, Hey, one of his guys is sick. And he usually comes out on stage with a Polaroid camera and takes a bunch of pictures like from the stage and then chucks them out to the audience. Do you want to do that? Like, yeah, yeah, I do want to do that. So I got to hang up on, you know, on the stage at, at Warped Tour while Eminem was playing, you know, like I said, this is nineties. I was, I was super young whatever, 18 or 19. And I'm taking all, you know, trying to like take artsy Polaroids and then toss them out to the crowd. So uh, that was my that was my Eminem moment. Nice, awesome. You know, I one of my biggest regrets in my musical attend musical attending career is not going to Ozfest. Okay, I had won free tickets to go to Ozfest, and it comes to find out the one that year was Ozzy's like la was one of his last years to go. One of his many farewell tours. Yeah, yeah. one of his many farewell things, and I'm like. At the time afterwards, I'm like, and I just gave those tickets away to a buddy that really wanted to go. Am I stupid? And then, of course, Ozzy, 10 years later, 12 years later, however long it's been, still out there touring. Doing still doing it, right? Yeah. Yeah. But um, so you got the EP coming. Uh, are you plan guys planning on doing any uh, music videos for the EP or? Yeah, there's, there's one, uh, there's one for past midnight that's out now came out, uh, I don't know, a, a week before Thanksgiving. So, okay. you know, two Thursdays back. Um, and uh, actually uh, tomorrow, um, you know, we're going to find out what kind of, what kind of rotation they're going to give us at CMT for that thing. And, um, and then we're hoping to do a video for villain after that. And I think, you know, with a six song EP, I think two videos is probably the, 
Yeah. Probably the max that we can we can do here, we can afford to do because those things aren't cheap. So, yes. oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's uh, you know we're gonna do that, and then uh, we've already kind of started. Like I said, this record was supposed to come out in May, so we've already really kind of started putting the next record together. So it's just okay. a matter of uh, is the plan for the next record for it to be like a full length, or do you kind of like sitting in the EP range? It depends on who's paying for it. Okay. That's what that's what it comes down to. You know, uh, when uh, uh, when when COVID hit, within a couple of weeks, our uh, our label kind of um, went under. You know that we were that we had signed up with for this record. So I ended up uh, I ended up paying for this one myself. So uh, we'll see how what kind of return I get on this investment, and and uh, see if somebody else wants to maybe pony up the dough because we definitely we've got a lot of a lot of songs and and we've got a lot of uh you know friends in nashville that uh that are really incredible writers that uh you know i'm you know i can get right back in the room with and and you know keep writing if we don't have if we don't have all the 12 15 songs we need i can i can put them together in a hurry for sure yeah absolutely absolutely so since you're about a little less than a week before this ep releases and it is a hundred percent on you, essentially. Yep. It, mm-hmm. it, it's your, it's your project. What's going through your mind right now? Well, you know, it's 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 a it's a new world, man. So uh, I'm trying not to have a lot of expectations. Just a lot of weird stuff has happened. You know, uh, you know, come to find out on Friday we were like number two on the iTunes pre-order charts for the UK. It's like UK, man. We haven't. Uh, We've never played the UK, so uh, you know, awesome. That's great, and you know, uh, the video uh, hit number nineteen over there on one of their charts this week, and you know, it's uh, it, it's scary, but uh, you know, I'm we're always looking, you know, I'm always looking for a way to reinvent the band and reinvent the sound and mm-hmm. and the audience and everything else, and you know, you gotta you gotta keep it fresh. So uh, sure, it's daunting, but you know, that's what uh, it's what what I signed up for. Absolutely. And then is that how you kind of got introduced to Rachel was through the success of your music over in the UK or how'd you get, uh, you know, uh, I'd actually seen some stuff that she had, she'd been doing, um, with some other artists and I was, I was real impressed and I, and I, you know, reached out to her and it turned out that, you know, she was kind of just getting going with her management business over there. And, and, um, she is 100% the reason why, uh, why we're able to, you know, see these gains over there because she's she's really killed it for us she's introduced us to so many people and so many djs and yeah. uh other artists and uh yeah we we wouldn't be uh we wouldn't be in this position without uh scarlet river all right awesome awesome yeah we start when we started doing the podcast on a more regular basis during the covid of doing it through zoom uh yeah. she was one of the early people that reached out to us because i was already starting to plant seeds of going over to the UK to do like, cause we do like live acoustic stuff, like we'll right. people doing live acoustic sessions. And it's always been a dream to go over to the UK. And she saw that we were starting to do the podcast online and she, she jumped in and was like, Hey, I've got this artist, this artist, you know, and introduced us to so many people. Man, she uh, she is nonstop. She works hard, and and uh, I think all of all of her artists were 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 uh, lucky, and we benefit from her hard work. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I don't want to keep you too much longer since you've still got a, like a two hour drive. So you're what in northern Georgia right now, or no? Actually, I, I'm, I'm on the um, I'm on the uh, 
the close side of Chattanooga for me. I got through Chattanooga. I was like, all right, I think I, I know where this one rest stop is. Yeah. I'm like, I, I can get there before, uh, before I got a call. So yeah. uh, I made it just in time and yeah. you know, right into the wire and pulled in. So I don't know uh, if all goes well, I can be home in 90 minutes or so. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Yes. There's this one place just outside of, there's one little town up in the mountains, just South of Nashville that I always have to stop at because for whatever reason, they have the cheapest gas out of anybody. It's um, just south of Nashville, maybe like a half hour. I, I can't think uh, of what town it is. Um, could be like Murfreesboro is usually where I stop, um, exit yeah. 81. But that, you know, like Murfreesboro or, uh, or Manchester where Bonnaroo is. Yeah. Those are usually the gas stops coming out of Nashville for me. Yeah, because like I, the first time I ever went to Nashville, I it, I left like real early in the morning, and I was like, okay, cool, I'm leaving, I'm heading back to Tallahassee, and I pulled over because I needed something to eat, and I kept or I saw a sign for a Taco Bell, and I was like, Taco Bell breakfast, let's go. There and you I go. pulled into one of these gas stations, and it was like seventy cents cheaper than anything I saw in Nashville, and I'm like, okay. I'm stopping here. Yeah, man. Oh, believe me. Uh, I I map my uh, my I map my trips by, uh, um, you know, gas stations from Gas Buddy and donut shops on Yelp. That's uh, that's uh, how I figure out which which route I'm taking anywhere I go. Nice. That's awesome. So, being that you've um, been doing this for a while, what is your favorite musical memory or experience? Oh, man. Um, I think one, it's hard to pick just one, but, but I don't know, probably being booed by 32,000 people in Chicago. Uh, that's, that's gotta be one of my favorites for sure. I, uh, I was doing, uh, we were out with ZZ Top. Like, sorry, I got to keep turning this, this light back on. It, it wants to cut off after a couple of minutes. Um, so we were, uh, we were out with ZZ Top. Um, and actually I think this was our first night on the tour with them. And, uh, it was at rib fest in chicago and there was they uh they did an aerial photograph and showed us later there's 31,500 people was the estimate that was in front of the stage not at the whole thing but just yep. right there That's and uh yeah so two or three songs in i'm you know i'm trying to like hurry because you know you you're the opener so you got your 45 minutes or whatever it is maybe at a festival you get an hour because they're trying to fill some space but yeah you know, so I'm trying to get as many songs as we can get in. And, you know, we're, we're a, a, like a live show. We're exciting and we, we keep it moving. There's a lot of, you know, jumping over pianos and, you know, nice. kicking stuff over or whatever. But uh, anyway, I'm trying to get to the next song, trying to get to the next song. So I grab my beer and I take a swig and I put it, you know, back in the holder that's attached to my mic stand. And as I do it, um, for some reason, the Jumbotron cameraman decides to to uh, zoom in on my beer, which is foaming over because I slammed it in the thing. And as soon as the foamy beer came up on the Jumbotron, I just got booed unmerciful. And I just, you know, I just stood up. I, I walked out in front of the microphone and I took a bow. And uh, and after that, we had them, man. Everybody was into it. And, and uh, you know, I think they were, they were glad that I, you know, that I didn't get my feelings hurt, that I wasn't... Uh, you know, oh, I wasn't a wimp about it. I took my medicine and, yeah. and we got back to work. And, uh, you know, somebody, some, yeah, somebody brought me a new beer. So, yeah. you know, That's it was great. The thing about Chicago is it's like they're ruthless. And as long as you kind of run with it, you're fine. 
Yeah, well, I found out that day. And and as it turned out, um, we uh, we outsold everybody at that festival uh, at the merch booth. We beat everybody, Pretenders, Steve Miller, you know, uh, I forget, it was the a whole country day. And uh, the promoter came up to me with our little measly opening act check. <laughs> and uh, I was like, all right, thanks. He's like, yeah, I got something else for you. I'm like, what? And he handed me an envelope just you know, stacked with cash from the merch person. I was like, cool, where do we go? Uh, I was like, you know, we're, we'll just go back to pick up the rest of the merch. He's like, rest of the merch? He's like, that's it, it's gone. And I'm like, well, we got, you know, we got a lot more tour dates. So I'm calling my manager. I'm like, oh my God, you got to order more. I need more CDs and more t-shirts. Can you get them to me tomorrow? He's like, absolutely not. I cannot get you more t-shirts printed until Milwaukee by tomorrow, no. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, I don't know who you think I am. I'm not Houdini, it's not possible. Well, that's when uh, you but he start calling all the local promo make or all the like people in Milwaukee like yeah. pay the premium like just get it done. Yeah. Oh, no 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 no, we did. We did. And and actually um and actually we found somebody that was coming from Atlanta to Milwaukee for yeah. the show. Uh, they're from Milwaukee but lived in Atlanta yeah. and uh so they 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 were a big fan and they were going to you know whatever um, and we knew about it and we called and we're like, Hey, is there any way you can go pick up a big box of CDs? And so they did, he brought us a, you know, brought us a few hundred CDs and we were still able to sell some merch the next night. This is, you know, 2012 when people bought CDs. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and they kept us on the road, uh, you know, pretty hard with, uh, with, with all the Midwestern merch sales. So yeah, it was absolutely. great. Are you guys looking at, uh, doing like any vinyl pressing for this, uh, new EP? or is that we'll see you know it's like when it comes out friday and i see what you know what it looks like and how many people got into it uh that'll that'll kind of inform how much stuff we we press up we are you know we we already got a bunch of t-shirts and hats and koozies and stuff like that and even even like you know bandana masks so uh but uh but if there's an appetite for it i'd love to do vinyl um it's a lot more plausible with this six song thing than it was with the, uh, you know, 20 song new hometown. Yeah. They told us it would actually take five sides. Yeah. They were like three, three discs. That's not feasible. That's just yeah. not reasonable at all. That's, so that's, that's ridiculous. Wow. Yeah. It was going to be crazy. Yeah. You know, it, and it's really interesting. Cause I think like, especially this album, which is named burning moonlight for anybody out there listening. Um, the six songs, since it tells like a complete story, listening from track one to six it makes perfect sense for vinyl like so hopefully hopefully we'll see it out there and like that's been my new kick anytime i go out to a show Not me that- too I, I me too man especially if it's if it's like a cool color i know that's a dumb reason to buy vinyl but you know what man it works on me i was like oh you know like, you know i went to see elliot root who's like a nashville band and um and i was a big fan of them and you know i was gonna go buy a t-shirt and then i saw Oh, lavender vinyl? Uh, yes, uh, I'll get a t-shirt later. I'll take the lavender vinyl, please. Actually, it's funny you brought that up because that is literally the... Uh, and I really hope they're not listening because if they do, I hope they don't take this the wrong way. There's this band down in Nashville called Ghost Town Remedy. They're doing okay. a Kickstarter for um, their next album and they're pressing vinyl and the vinyl is tie-dye. Okay. And I was like... I don't even really want to listen to the vinyl. I just want that in my collection because it looks cool. Like, yeah. Just having the no, I've, Man, I've got so many like just weirdo vinyl things. Uh, you know, like I got the, the reissue of the Fuji's, the score that's like, it's like smoke colored. It basically looks like someone hit a blunt and blew it 
and nice. that's your that's your record and yeah. um you know i got some old faith no more that's uh you know crazy uh striped vinyl and yeah man i love uh, you know uh, from for my birthday this year i got uh uh my favorite probably all-time record is tumbleweed connection by elton john and someone got me there's a special edition that came out that's 180 gram with like a coke bottle green vinyl yeah. it's cool it's cool and it looks great spinning yeah. i've got uh yeah a couple of years ago for uh for my birthday uh, i got one of those uh vertical record players okay. so you know like so it just you know so like you can't walk in the room you know when the record's playing and not see it because it's you know yeah upright so yeah i love that my, thing my um, record player is one of those cheap uh victrola suitcase ones that you can get it like mm -hmm. a, those are cool too man yeah it, it you know what it's just one of those things where it's like i didn't know how much the vinyl thing was going to take off when i bought or when i got it and i was just like you know what buy this and now it's like kind of want to invest in a nicer record player like not, well, well i'll not tell you man that that uh that the one that i have I'm, I'm i'm a big fan the company's called orbit yeah and i think those things are so cool um you know the the, the vertical ones but they got you know they got regular ones too but they they just make like really cool looking ones and you know of course they sound sound good too yeah. but uh as as previously discussed the aesthetic is sort of a big deal to me too yep absolutely absolutely but so um as you're looking forward to 2021 with no um no no knowledge of if there's going to be shows or when there's going to be shows uh w what's kind of the details on the upcoming plan tour when do you when are you hoping to start that um you know i think if we're being reasonable it's definitely not going to start before may you know mm -hmm. i don't think there's there's gonna be any you know I, I did my first shows um this weekend uh since march but they were, you know, super distance shows. Like you'd show up and they've have little, yeah. little square, you know, quarantined and off squares. And you could Florida where they're being super aggressive about shows starting up. Yeah. Well, but uh, you know, both of these places are like super responsible as far as I, you know, you know, to me, cause you, you had to buy the whole pod and mm -hmm. you could, you know, bring your four people and you sit in the pod and, and, and you can't get up and walk around and you've got this, you know, squared off space that's just for you and your party. And, you know, I don't think you could do it much better than that other than yeah. the drive-in shows. And, yeah. um, you know, so if there's stuff like that, we'll do it. But, uh, but it's, it's, uh, those are pretty few and far between. So, you know, we're hoping, uh, we're hoping late spring, early summer gets us over to, uh, to UK and Europe. And then, mm -hmm. you know, if things go well, you know, I'm sure we'll do a few warm up shows here before we go, um, you know, off to a new, uh, New. a new place for us but uh you know that's kind of the deal and really like the next uh you know the next week of my life is all about just begging everyone i've ever met to pre-order the record on itunes so we can so we can get to the top of the charts and you know make some noise and hopefully pick up a you know pick up a uk label that'll that'll kind of push us uh you know, pushes out to a wider UK and Euro audience. And that way, uh, you know, kind of give us a little juice when we come back home and, and uh, get back on the road and hit our old, uh, you know, regular haunts, like you know, whether it's, yeah, yeah, exactly. Whether it's Charleston, South Carolina or DC or Chicago or Dallas, you know, um, you know, we want to make some noise so that people are like, Oh yeah, I remember seeing those guys. It's been a few years and you know, yeah. we got to, got to reintroduce ourselves. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. But first off, I want to thank you so much for jumping on the podcast. Um, where can everybody find 
uh, Burning Moonlight when it drops? Where can they find your other music? Where can they find you online? Um, so you can always find us at our website, which is the Southern Gothic music.com and everywhere else. We're at the Southern Gothic on, you know, uh, Instagram and Facebook and, and, uh, you know, the like, um, and, uh, you know, obviously Spotify, uh, you know, we'd love it if you would, uh, everybody that's listening would follow us and, you know, give the songs a like, and, and, uh, that's always super helpful. And, um, you know, uh, Apple Music, Amazon Music, uh, Pandora, wherever you find music, I promise you we're there. And just search the Southern Gothic and you'll find us. I promise. Awesome. Awesome. Well, once again, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast. I really appreciate you guys. Appreciate you giving us the time. I apologize for having to reschedule. What was it? Wednesday. My car broke down and it was just like, dang it. Now I'm going to have to spend like super late at work. But it happens, man. No sweat. And I appreciate you having me. And uh, anytime uh, I got something new, man, we'll give you a shout and, and come back and chat about it. Awesome. Awesome. Once again, thank you so much. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And we will catch you guys later.